There is one sentence that sums up the essence of every spiritual path. And it seems very simple, and yet to live it is the most difficult thing in the world. And it's a great paradox. Because it's very easy to understand conceptually. And yet it's the key obstacle to get past, to realize the truth. And it's the statement that appears, as I say, in every tradition. And it usually is stated in a most simple way as, I am not the doer. The I does nothing. The I is only a witness. And yet, how hard it is for us to give up the illusion of doership. Isn't that strange? Even when we don't want to be the doer, even when we feel like an inadequate doer, maybe especially then. But that sense of identification with the body and mind that are acting, doing and thinking, is the cause of our suffering and the cause of our getting in our own way so that our actions end up not being accurate, not being filled with love and joy. And we, are, we block the channel in which love and wisdom would otherwise flow through us into the world. And it's the cause of all of the suffering and the stage fright, the embarrassment, the, the senses of guilt, and all of the whole ball of wax of the ego. So the question is, how do we get out of this illusion that I am the doer? In Taoism, the concept of being the non-doer is known as Wu Wei. It's very famous. And this is the principle behind karma yoga. And in the Bhagavad Gita, it says very clearly that the first step is not to be attached to the fruit of your actions, not to be attached to the results. You do what you are called to do by God, and you don't care how it turns out. You do it because it's the right thing to do. And the more that one is following God's will, the will of heaven, the will of, of truth, of clarity, of sattva guna, then the more those actions will be non-egoic they will become more and more spontaneous and less a product of a premeditation, less a product of a mind that is uh, trying to manipulate and control reality. And so perhaps one of the first stages is the realization that we can't control reality. We're not in control of anything that happens here. And if the ego would just let go of that drive to control things, that vain attempt to be in control of what is not possible to be the master of, then we would start to feel the power of surrender, the power that comes from putting ourselves into the hands of God, turning it over, letting go 
of having to know and of having to achieve a certain effect in the world. And then by doing what is right, you let go of the, all of those kinds of intellectual contortions we go into to try to make sure this is the right thing to do because I don't know if it'll work or not. It's like in creating an ashram, which we're in the process of doing now. We don't know if it'll be successful. But if you hold back and you say, well, I'm not sure I should put any money in here or time or you know, energy because I don't know if it'll work, then you can create a self-fulfilling prophecy. If everybody does that, well, you can guarantee that it won't work. Any project worth doing will look like it's impossible. And so if you try to do only what you can, can, can imagine how it will succeed, then you are already limiting yourself in the vision that it is possible to have about the world. If we are going to survive even as a species, as humanity on this planet now because of all the damage we've already done, we have to strive for that which is impossible. We have to enter the realm of the miraculous. And that's the realm of the egoless. And so meditation is simply the willingness to enter the miraculous. And the miraculous begins where the ego ends. Because the ego is a limited entity that tries to think its way through reality. And to justify itself and to rationalize everything. And that can't be done. And so it's the act of silencing the ego mind and all of its efforts to figure things out that begins to open us to the infinite, the infinite that we are. And the joy and the bliss of life because we take away our own joy by trying to figure things out too much. Now, of course, there are things you need to figure out. There are problems in life. There are even times you have to hire a lawyer to help you figure it out. <laughs> but even in those cases where you're dealing with very difficult problems that require expertise that you don't have, or, or putting in a time of concentration into something in order to make sure that it works, whether you're building a website or you're learning to dance or to sing or whatever, you have to be in that state of centeredness in which your mind is absolutely still and silent. If you're going to concentrate and going to receive the information and retain it and make coherent sense out of whatever it is that you're studying, it comes from silence. It comes from the still center of your being. That's the point of power. And it's from there that inspirations come that you cannot figure out, that not even your lawyer can figure out, and that only the mind of God can resolve, and that surrender to that infinite mind, to the Akashic light, to the cosmic intelligence, will enable us to navigate our way through this labyrinth of the real. 
And it's meditation that is the opening of the channel to that mind that is beyond the individual self, beyond the individual's capacity to understand, that creates those eureka experiences, those aha moments in which we transcend that normal, limited self and become one with the unlimited. And gradually when we do this enough, we learn that we can live in that state. We can abide in the unlimited, in the silence of being, of pure presence, and trust that whatever we need to know will come to us, and whatever we need to do will be done. So it requires disidentifying from both the bodily organism and the mind. The mind may continue to think, but you are not the mind. And in that state, you won't get in the way of the mind's processing at its highest level of capacity. And you won't get in the way of the body's true capacities, which are much greater than we think. And then we are in what is called a flow state. And everything happens spontaneously and easily. And these are called peak experiences in the psychological world. But there's no reason you can't live on the peak in the Himalaya of the soul and turn that into a plateau in which you're always in that state where you're leaping from one peak to another and never falling into the valley or the abyss. And this is the trust of the infinite self that we are all part of that gives us this capacity to dwell in the miraculous. And when we're realizing that we're not the body or the mind, the other benefit is that if the body and the mind have any dis-ease, if there's any pain or discomfort in the body, it doesn't pertain to us. You can witness it, but you don't take it on. You don't identify with it. And so it doesn't disturb your peace. And healing energy can flow into whatever areas of the body require it without your having tightened up against that energy of love. And so peace and relaxation are an essential part of healing that has been lost by the mainstream medical world because they're focused on using the mind and identifying with the organism rather than disidentifying. And in that state, when you disidentify, the body and the mind will both be in their most relaxed and peaceful state. And this magnifies the healing potential and the flow of the prana and the rising of the kundalini that otherwise gets blocked by the ego mind. So it's the best gift that you can give yourself. And it dissolves the boundaries between what you think you are and the universe and everyone in it. It makes us all one. It creates community. It makes the entire cosmos a community.
And so that creates synergy. That creates the possibility for quantum effects to happen, the interconnectedness of all beings when it's consciously invoked and realized brings about a different kind of energy field in which you will receive help from the world that you are now one with rather than opposed to and distinct from. And so you turn yourself into a superorganism that is the entire cosmos. And then the cosmos and the creative intelligence behind the cosmos emerge into your consciousness with love to help in that act that you are doing for the benefit of the cosmos. And so in that divine love that you are feeling that comes from the letting go of the ego boundaries, you also receive the love of the entire universe and the God of the universe, which turns out to be the self. And so I hope you'll let yourself merge into the self tonight in this meditative release of the ego and the return to the infinity of your true being. Okay, let's meditate.